Hello, I'm Eric Cooper. Welcome to the Expert Money Podcast. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and our website, all at The Expert Money. This is a podcast where we will try to inform and educate about all things money. We want you to be wealthier, healthier, and happier. Because we live in a bananas world, here is a fun disclosure. This podcast is published and provided for information and entertainment purposes only. The info in this podcast is not investment or health advice. None of the information contained in this podcast constitutes a recommendation that any particular security portfolio securities transaction or investment strategy is suitable for any specific person. With that out of the way, let's get started. What is going on? Today we want to talk about what to avoid with your money. There's so many scam artists. People don't know any better. There are, there is a whole industry, multiple industries of people trying to separate you from your money without giving you any value in return. A lot of those people work in the finance industry. I'm not too proud to say. Now, you want to make sure you know the person you're dealing with. You think they're smart and trustworthy. But even then, their, their motivations may not be aligned with your own. So you have to understand what the products and services they are selling. If it's too complex, walk away. You don't have to buy anything. You can always come back tomorrow, but you don't want buyer's remorse. With that said, I have a list of six things that you might want to avoid or do a lot more due diligence. So number one, this will get a lot of hate because there are so many of these salespeople out there. But Life insurance that is not term life insurance should not be purchased. Let me repeat that. If it is not term life insurance, do not purchase it. So if someone is selling you whole life insurance, universal life insurance, variable life insurance, all sorts of flavors of life insurance out there, all these flavors come with very very high fees. Fees that are eroding your capital. It makes no sense to try to bundle an investment product in a life insurance product. And that's effectively what these things are doing. So if you're getting a permanent life insurance product, they are doing some sort of bundling. There's a cash value component. Uh, there, there's an investment piece, whatever. You should disaggregate those parts. The reason insurance companies do that is because they can bundle them all together, obfuscate, confuse, make these things opaque, hard to understand, and then charge you high fees for life insurance. So the only type of insurance you should consider, and I would consider if you have uh, dependents and uh, potential beneficiaries is term life insurance. Term life insurance is so, so, so much cheaper than any other type of permanent life insurance. The permanent life insurance will cost you five, six, seven times as much in premium. That's a lot of money that could be going to your investment dollars. Why would you pay the insurance salesperson 
a big fat commission and, and a trailer and an ongoing fee when that money be, could be going in your own investment account and growing on its own instead of going to an insurance company. Downside to just having term life insurance. Well, you're only going to be covered to die for the term of that policy. So if you have a 20-year term and then it comes to year 21, well, you stop paying a premium, but you no longer have life insurance. And if you want to up that term, then it's going to be much more expensive to buy life insurance at, say, 55, obviously, because you're closer to you know an unhappy ending than it is to buy life insurance, a 20-year term, at 30 years old. The thing I would suggest on the term policies is try to liability match. So if you happen to be a breadwinner, or even if you're not the breadwinner, if you are the stay-at-home spouse, uh, there's a lot of value embedded in that that is sometimes not taken into consideration. So let's say you have young kids. Maybe you get two types of term policy. You get a 20-year term and a 10-year term. So as the kids start getting older, you obviously need less money because there's less time to raise those humans. So you can stagger term life insurance to make it even cheaper. But that's, that's another topic. What to avoid? Life insurance that isn't term. All other kinds of insurance are not beneficial to your financial health. The next one, which is a kissing cousin, a sibling, closely related. You have to avoid annuities. I know. I'm going to get a lot of hate. I don't care. The annuities that I've seen come across, either in client or prospect portfolios, have been egregiously expensive, underperforming in the market, they act like there's some death benefit, some payout value. Half the times they don't ever even get back to the value of what the person paid for the annuity. So what is an annuity? Annuity is you hand over a big lump of cash, and if it's an immediate annuity, they start basically giving you a coupon, a payment for potentially the rest of your life. Or you can have a deferred annuity where you hand over a big hope chunk of cash, that money theoretically grows, and then you start getting a payment for the rest of your life. Or there could be a death benefit if once you go through the payment amount. There is all sorts of complexity and expense in annuities worse than the life insurance products that aren't term. You often pay a 6% commission up front. If you want that money back, there's often a 10% early withdrawal fee. An annual fee for the investment management could be 1% to 2%. So you are really behind the eight ball just for a little bit of peace of mind. I would say maybe you can use your own money. Look, if you have longevity and you're going to live to 120 years old and it's in the genes and you don't have enough, enough money saved up, then yeah, you might be able to game the insurance company by getting an annuity and betting on your longevity. That's the game they're playing. Insurance companies have a bunch of actuaries who do nothing but sit around and think about mortality rates and when people may pass away, and then they're making incredibly well-informed bets against humanity. 
trying to figure out how to take your money. They're betting that you will die well before they pay out too much to you in an annuity, in those payments for the, that's supposed to last the rest of your life. So they're, you're making bets on either side of mortality. I would recommend instead of turning your money over to an insurance company or an annuity salesperson, figure out how much you need and see if you can get there just through simple investments of, you know, uh, stocks and bonds. Chances are you will be able to fund your own lifestyle if you have enough money. That you don't need to turn it over to an annuity salesperson. They are selling fear. They capitalize on your fear. Maybe I said that wrong. They're trying to sell peace of mind, but it's a fear-driven sale. They are making you think, <clears throat> what if I outlive my money? I better do this so I have some income as I age. I would recommend digging in to your own portfolio and figuring out using a safe withdrawal rate, which some people say 3%, 4%, some people say it could be 5%. 4% is the old tried and true withdrawal rule that your money will last for 30-ish years without you running out. Do you have enough money to withdraw 4% annually, inflation adjusted, without running out? I know that's a long rant against annuities and insurance. Yes, in some rare instances, they do make sense, but they're rare. So make sure if you're going to be a purchaser of one of those products, make sure you deeply understand it. Make sure it makes good sense in your situation. I'll leave you with a quote from our dear friend Upton Sinclair. Never knew him. Read some books in college, though. But... He said, it is difficult to get a man to understand something when his salary depends upon it. Eric, what the hell are you saying? I'm saying there's a whole industry of people who are highly trained and highly motivated to sell you products that aren't, are not, in your best interest because their livelihood depends upon it. And I understand that. I don't begrudge them that. But just make sure it fits into your needs, into your portfolio. Number three on the list. Number three on the list of things to avoid. Non-traded REITs. Man, these are a bear. Especially in coronavirus times when REITs as a, as a sector are challenged. Non-traded have been terrible, and I've never been a fan of non-traded, basically private REITs. So what is a REIT? A little background on a REIT. A REIT is a real estate investment trust. So the, the construct of a REIT is 90% of all cash flow has to be paid out to investors, and then basically 10% gets held in uh, and kind of use at the discretion of management, but 90% has to be a pass-through to the investors of a REIT. 
So there's lots of publicly traded REITs. Or you can get your money back in two days if you were to sell it. Um, they own buildings and potentially hospitals and potentially nursing homes, um, apartment buildings, class A, class B, class C, office buildings. Uh, REITs can be made up of all sorts of different type of properties. But the main idea is they have to pass out the vast majority of their cash flow to the investors. So it's been a good dividend product. The problem is with private non-traded REITs, they basically create their own mark to market they may or may not distribute cash at their discretion. I mean, they're supposed to distribute cash, but if their balance sheets are challenged, well, now you're not getting a, a, a dividend, you're not getting a distribution, and you won't be able to sell it. So, yeah, of course, public REITs may get very depressed in price. We saw that. But there's still liquidity. There's going to be a buyer on the other end. Non-traded REITs, theoretically, there is a secondary market. There's an exchange, theoretically, that you can buy and sell them. But it's much more difficult to sell them, and you may be taking a much bigger haircut. So what is that bid-ask spread? So the, the bid-ask spread is the difference between buyer's and seller's price, right? And that's what the, uh, the, all the exchanges do. They facilitate the transactions. They're the middleman between buyers and sellers. Well, in the private market, it is, there's a lot of opaqueness. You don't know who the players are necessarily. There's not a very clean exchange. So there's a wide spread between what people are willing to sell for and what they're willing to buy for. The buyers want a major steep discount to pay for the illiquidity. So that is why I'm not a fan of non-traded REITs because often when you want them is could be in terms of turmoil, and then you can't even sell them. Why do I bring this up? It's because I saw this in some client portfolios, prospect portfolios. And man, it's tough when they want their money, and there's not even a buyer on the other end, unless they want to take a severe haircut. Four. What else should you be avoiding with your money? This one's going to seem a little bit ridiculous, but hear me out. Brick and mortar banks. This is a shout out to every branch, and I may, by the way, I may exclude credit unions because there are a lot of good credit unions out there who actually have good, good services and good products, and uh, they, they try to do the right thing. But most brick and mortar national chain banks that you see, I'd avoid them if you can. I know we all need those often for our day-to-day -day operating expenses, and I, I bank with a brick-and-mortar bank. So I'm not taking my own advice here. But what I don't do is I don't have any savings at a brick-and-mortar bank because their savings rates are terrible. It's because they have vast infrastructure of buildings that they have to pay for. And that's where they try to find all their profitability by paying all their savers effectively nothing on their money, and then they can turn around and invest it and make the spread. That's what banks do anyway, right? They always take in savings, and then they lend it out for car loans, for mortgages. Um, but banks, brick-and-mortar banks, have gotten worse and worse and worse over time. They've never been good about paying anyone a fair savings rate. So I would avoid brick-and-mortar banks for your savings. 
obviously keep enough money in your accounts where you're not charged any sort of monthly admin fee, even though you can call and usually get those reversed pretty easily. But for your savings, use an online high yield savings account. Just Google that, online high yield savings account. I know you look at the rates and be like, this is not high yield. Sure, it's online, but there's no yield. Well, that's just a product of our interest rate environment. I can assure you when interest rates start to rise again, if they ever do, we hope they will rise at some point in the future, but not too high. A healthy amount of inflation isn't the worst thing in the world. Those online high yield savings account will get you a much, much better yield than your bank. So maybe they're only paying 1% now, your bank is paying zero. In an environment where a bank is paying 1%, they're probably paying closer to three. That there's always a, a pretty decent spread between your brick and mortar and your online high yield savings account. So avoid brick and mortar banks for your savings. Thing to avoid with your money is actively trading or active investment management. So I don't care if you're doing it on your own or you're paying someone else. Trading is detrimental to your long-term financial security. If only, if only because you're subject to much higher taxes. So if you're trading, instead of getting long-term capital gains, and we'll see what happens to those under a new administration, of 15 or 20 percent, you're paying your ordinary income tax for on short-term gains, which is probably close to 10 percent more than what your long-term rate is. So your trading better be at least greater than 10 percent just to offset those taxes. I know there are Wall Street bets, Robin Hood, YOLO traders, People think they can outperform the market, but at that point, you're just giving yourself another job. Then you might think, if I can just find the best manager for my money, that he or she can outperform the market. Highly unlikely. 80% of active managers underperform the market in a 10-year time frame. Maybe it's 60 or 70% in a five-year window, but most active managers, people who are trying to beat the index, their stated index, underperform said index 60, 70, 80% of the time. Then you may think, oh, but I just need to find the 20% who do outperform the market over the long term. Well, A, it's unknowable, so how are you going to find that person 10 years in advance? B, the people who do outperform, there's no, often no consistency. It's not the same people outperforming over stretches. So one manager outperformed for a couple of years and a different manager. Your best bet often there's, is regression to the mean. So if someone way underperforms, you could pick the worst performing manager and there's a good chance that they'll outperform the next year. Same thing could be said, the person who outperforms the longest period, now they get a big influx of capital, it's harder for them to make well-informed, reasonable trades that led to their outperformance in the first place, and then they underperform. It's a silly game. It's a zero-sum game compared to the index. Some will outperform, some will underperform, but if you just buy the index for a super low fee, 
and just get the market returns, you're going to be way ahead over the long term. So buy low-cost index funds. Should cost you 10 basis points or less. That's 0.1% or less. So $100 a year on a $100,000 investment or less. So number five was avoiding trading an actively managed product. Number six, this isn't quite a money product, but avoid the news. People turn on CNBC every day or Fox or CNN, and then they start trading their portfolio based on politics, based on what they think the new tax regime is going to be, based on, I don't know, the, the Chiron on the bottom of the screen that says, oh no, the Dow fell 300 points. Oh no, Dow's at a record. I better get in now. Avoid the news. Dollar cost average into the market over long periods of time. We don't know if the market's going up or down. If someone's telling you they know it's going up or down, they're lying to you or they're dumb. They're either a snake oil salesperson or they don't know anything because no one knows what the future holds. But we do generally know that investing in companies that make money, who are, have innovation, who have research and development, R&D departments, they have figured out product market fit, they're willing to sell you a $1,200 iPhone that only costs them 100 bucks in parts and 100 bucks in marketing to make. <laughs> That's an extreme example. Companies are good at making money. A lot of companies are good at making money, so buy and hold all those companies. And again, I'd avoid individual securities. You're getting plenty of exposure, even an S&P 500 index fund, you're getting lots of Apple, lots of Amazon, lots of Walmart, lots of Microsoft, all the tech leaders. I know Walmart's not a tech leader. But you don't know what sector is going to outperform. So, number six was avoid the news because it'll probably cause you to trade. Yeah, watch the news for fun, watch it for sport. If it bleeds, it leads. Yeah, sometimes there's some interesting stuff, but don't let the news dictate your money. Okay, in summary, going to be a lot of people dislike me in this one, but avoid life insurance, avoid annuities, avoid non-traded REITs. For your savings, avoid brick-and-mortar banks. Number five, avoid actively trading or active products. And number six, avoid the news. Thank you so much for joining us. Again, you can find us on the socials, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, or our website, The Expert Money. If you'd like to be a guest, Drop us a line on any of those. If you have questions, send us a note on any of those sites. We'll see you next time.